going to get caught up here. It's always the downside. Here we go. Right. Um, so good morning, everyone. It's great to see so many people here. Good morning again to those online and those that have joined us since we started the service. My name's Kev and I'm children's pastor here at the church for those of you that don't know me. And it's my privilege this morning to speak um, from God's word. So why don't we um, pray as I start the service, uh, the talk today. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your word is powerful We thank you, Lord, that we can learn from your word. And I pray that this morning, as I speak, that you would minister to us, that your spirit would move, and we would see you move in mighty power this morning. Amen. So today we're going to think about the, um, we're going to continue thinking about the gifts of the Spirit. So Ken started us last week thinking about prophecy and how we hear from God and how we communicate that. And this week we're going to focus in on healing. And they kind of go hand in hand because as we pray for healing, and we'll see this a little bit later on, we're listening to God and we're listening to those words that He is saying to us as we are praying. So today we're going to look at fundamentally what is healing, why we need it, we're going to look at supernatural versus natural, we're going to look at what faith has to do within this, and we're going to look at what happens if we are not healed and why is everybody not healed. Now this topic could be taught over many weeks. Um, There is so much that could be said on healing. And I'm going to try and do kind of a potted overview of healing today. So we're going to be jumping around the Bible a bit. Um, So I've loaded all the scriptures up onto the screen so you can read along with me if you haven't got your Bible. And as I read the passages, to be honest, a lot of the passages are very self-explanatory and I will just comment on them. But we're going to let the word speak this morning um, and uh, minister to us. So, here we go. So, what is healing? Well, healing fundamentally is the process of making someone healthy again. And what I want us to look at, first of all, is um, from the very beginning of the Bible. So, we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 3. And when we were created, there was no death. There was no pain Um, And that was the original intention of God. But the moment that sin entered the world, um, that's when things started to go wrong. That moment when Adam and Eve ate the fruit from this tree of knowledge of good and evil, there were consequences. Um, So we're going to read from Genesis chapter 3 and from verse 13. So here we go. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, um, cursed are you above all livestock and the wild animals. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labour you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you have listened to your wife and ate the fr- uh, ate fruit from the, tr- the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and, thist- and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since you were taken for, for dust you are, and to dust you will return." Now, the reason I want to start here is because, as I said, originally there was no death, there was no pain, um, and the Adam and Eve were living in the garden as God intended. But if you look at verse 14 with me, God cursed the serpent because of what had happened. Verse 16, pain entered the world, and verse 17, the land was cursed. Now, what I want us to note on this is that at no point is humanity cursed. The serpent is cursed, the ground is cursed, but humanity is not. Now, the reason I I want to emphasise this point is that there is pain and there is sickness and there is death because of sin, um, 
And because the fact that the world and humanity has fallen, but at no point has God cursed humanity in the words that are um, put there. And I think that's really important because sometimes when people have long-term sickness um, and are, are looking for healing, sometimes I think people say, do you know what, God has cursed me. And I don't think that's true. I think that's a lie of the enemy. Um, and, and I think that can be really powerful because I think if, if we say to ourselves, do you know what, God has cursed me, then we will live under that. But the Bible doesn't say that. He says the ground is cursed because of humanity and because of the fall, and the serpent is cursed, but not humanity. And actually, I think, I think that could be really powerful. And maybe there are some people sat in this room that have thought that. And this just, it's not okay. God is saying no to that. And that, actually, do you know what? We're going to pause and I just want to pray. Um, I want to pray that off anybody who has thought that. Um, this might be really hard, but if, if that is you, I'd like you to stand. It's okay if you don't want to, um, but there is power in that, I think, because of saying, yes, this is, this is me and I'm actually laying this before God. Um, and if you're online as well, um, then this is for you as well. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we know that you are good and you love humanity, even in its brokenness. And Lord, I thank you that you love each and every one of us. And Lord, I want to just push off that, um, that thought process that anybody who is listening to this has had, where they've said that they are cursed by God. And I say that is not true, and we break the power of those words in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we claim freedom over anybody who has thought that. Um, and Lord, we know that you how you love humanity and you, you love us so much that you sent your son Jesus for us. And I pray, Lord, that we would, we would choose life yeah. and we wouldn't choose death. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, there may be that actually you want to get more prayer on that. And um, after the service, um, towards the end of the service, we can pray more into that if you want to come and speak to one of the team. Okay, back to... Um, where was I? Okay. So, we need healing fundamentally because the world is broken. But there is hope because we live in an age where sin has been forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. So we can, it's almost as though our souls are healed in that moment that we accept Jesus and we become a Christian. And there is that cleansing, that, that death is no longer has a hold over us because we have life in eternity with the Lord. Um, so there is, that, there is that healing that can go on within um, but yet we still will get ailments, we'll get pain, we'll get sickness because there is still sin in the world. And until Jesus returns, that will be the case. So healing in the Bible. We're going to have a look at some examples of healing in the Bible. And I'm sure you can think of many stories as I start to mention this right now. Um, there probably are many of us that have experienced healing as well. And I think sometimes healing can, can feel a little bit controversial. Sometimes we, we say, yes, we believe that healing happens, but in our hearts we don't necessarily believe it. And, and whilst I'm speaking on this, I'm not professing to have the greatest, most solid faith on this, because I still sometimes question and sometimes doubt, and, and I think that's okay. Um, and this is a learning process for me that I'm going through, as with all of us. And to be honest, I have been, I have been healed by the Lord. Um, I have a condition called scoliosis, where my spine has a, has a curvature in it. And for many, many years, I had backache. Um, and one, um, one evening, when we were at an inflamed celebration, um, the Lord healed it, just like that. Um, and it was the most amazing thing. So I live under healing, yet sometimes I kind of, I'm like, oh, come on, Lord, is this, is this going to happen? Um, and, and my prayer is, Lord, um, just get rid of my unbelief and increase my faith. And I think that's where we all need to stand with the Lord, don't we? Um, so in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, there, it contains 26 
accounts of physical healing. The book of Acts contains five, and the epistles um, where the gifts of the Spirit are mentioned, healing is actually only mentioned in two of the four listings. James 5 is the only passage um, where we see specific instructions on how we pray for the sick. Now, in some ways, it seems that there is this from the Gospels going through the New Testament. There's almost a decline in the reporting of the of healing. But I think that is because it had been dealt with and it had been taught in the Gospels. Therefore, it didn't need to be repeated because it was already in the Bible. So it, it and it didn't need to be repeated. And also, healing was a daily thing that happened in the New Testament times. So it was a given that if somebody is sick, they would get prayer for healing. So it wasn't controversial. It wasn't divisive. It just was something that happened. Therefore, um, I don't think it needed to keep being reported within the Bible because people just got on and they prayed for healing. So we're going to turn and we're going to look at an Old Testament story first. We're going to turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, 1 to 15. And we're going to read a physical healing. And this is Naaman healed of leprosy. Okay, so starting at verse 5. Now, Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. Uh, He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord gave victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels, a gold of ten, um, sorry, six thousand shekels of gold and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so you may cure him of leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. Are not Abana and Fafa, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in rage. Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and his attendant went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept a gift from your servant. So in this story, Naaman was healed from a physical condition. And the reality is that this happens today. There are physical conditions that God heals in a supernatural way. But also, I believe that God heals people through medical treatments as well. And we're going to look at another passage in the Bible that explains that to us. So we're going to go and we're going to stay in two kings and we're going to go to 20 and we're going to look at 1 to 11 which is Hezekiah's illness. So start um so in those days Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet um Isaiah son of Amos went to him and said this is what the Lord says. 
Put your house in order because you are going to die and will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion. I have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord and I will add 15 years to your life and I will deliver you and this city from the hands of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. So they did and applied it to the boil and he recovered. Okay, I'm just going to pause it there. So in this story there was medical treatment that was um, used to heal Hezekiah. So verse 7, prepare a poultice of figs. A poultice is a soft mass of material. Often it would contain bran, flour, herbs, things like that. And it was applied to the body and then kind of a cloth dressing was put over it to keep it in place. And it's not the only example of a medical treatment being used. In the New Testament, Paul encourages Timothy to use a little wine for his stomach ailments because wine was thought to have medicinal benefits. Um, So I'm not suggesting we all go out and drink lots of wine if we're feeling unwell. It's slightly different these days. So yes, 1 Timothy 5.23, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and the frequent illness. Oil and spit was regarded as having healing properties. Now again, it's not very COVID safe, so um, let's not be um, going down that line um, here. But it, it it was thought that those things had healing properties. So there's, there's um, numerous passages that we could look at if we had time. So Mark 6, 13, Mark 7, 33, 8, 23 are just a few of those passages that contain healing through oil or spit. So Mark 7, 33, after he took him aside away from the crowd, so there's a guy that needed healing, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears and then he spit and touched the man's tongue. Pretty gross, really, isn't it? Um, But they thought that it had healing properties and that person was healed. So whether or not those treatments have any scientific basis to them, um, the healing qualities were still used and they worked. See, Jesus associated with medical treatments as well as supernatural. And in fact, it seems that Jesus almost endorsed them. But the reality is, with all the healings that are happening, God is the source of those healings. Whether he chooses to heal in a supernatural way or using a medical treatment, God is still the source choosing that that healing is going to happen. And one thing I was thinking as I, as I was preparing this, yes, we, we often go to the doctor and we seek medical help. But because we are doing that, God can heal through that. But let's not stop praying for healing in a supernatural way as well. Because God will heal. Um, God chooses to heal. And he chooses his means by which he's going to heal. So let's keep seeking the Lord in prayer for supernatural healing as well. So where does faith come into this? What about faith? So we're going to jump to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5 to 15. And we're going to read of the healing of the centurion. So starting at verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralysed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, um, Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? But the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Now, there's, there's, um, there's a whole load of stuff within that, but um, there was a cultural thing as well. Because he was a Gentile and Jesus being a Jew, um, that it, it would have um, almost defiled Jesus by entering the house. So that's partly why he said it. But there was also a reverence within this where the centurion didn't want um, Jesus to lower himself. And he felt that Jesus was too important to come to his house at the same time. 
So um, carrying on verse 9. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and this one come and he comes. I say to my servant do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this he was amazed and said to those following him truly I tell you um, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But these subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go and let it be done just as you believed it would. And the servant was healed in that moment. So for the centurion, a man of his stature, to ask um, Jesus for healing, it did take a massive amount of humility. Jesus in verse 7 responds saying he would heal him. And it's really interesting, if you read the healing, um, the times where healing comes up in the Bible, Jesus never says no to praying for somebody for healing. Jesus always says yes. There's only one situation where he delays that, um, but he still says yes. Jesus healed the centurion, so he healed the servant because of the centurion's faith. The centurion's faith had these three characteristics. There was a humble sense of unworthiness when he was with Jesus. Uh, Secondly, a belief in the authority and power that Jesus had over the created order when he says, you say this and it happens. Um, Thirdly, the power of Jesus' word. He knew there was power in the word of Jesus. See, God is not bound by time or geography. He has, um, God has the power to heal regardless of those things. So Jesus wasn't even with the servant. He prayed for the servant and she was healed. He spoke the words and she was healed. And it reminded me that this this week in the prayer meeting, um, we were praying for somebody um, who had pain in their hands. Um, And we saw a a healing at that moment and a partial healing in all those hands. And we were excited and we were encouraged by that. Yet it was over Zoom. God is not bound by geography. God is not bound by technology. We can pray for people over the phone, on on video call, on Zoom, in person, across the street. We can pray because God has the power to heal regardless of time and geography. So let's be like Jesus. And when somebody asks us to pray for healing, let's just do it. Let's say yes. Let's pray right now. Let's not delay that. And let's pray in the moment for the person that needs healing. If you need healing, say to someone, will you pray for me? Will you pray for healing for me? See, faith is a medium through which God releases his healing power. Most healing comes as a result of someone's faith. But what I want to show you, something really interesting that I found in scripture. See, some people might think, do you know what? I don't have the faith for healing. I don't have the faith for that. But it's a mistake to assume that the person being prayed for needs that faith. The story we just read, whose faith was it? Centurion's. It wasn't even the, it wasn't even the um, person who needed the healing's faith. It was the centurion's faith that Jesus said, because of your faith, he healed the servant. Do you remember in the New Testament the story of the paralysed man? Um, his friends lowered him through the roof Jesus was teaching in. And he forgave the sins and he healed the man in that moment. In Mark chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, we read this. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, digging through it, and lowered the man, um, the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Whose faith was it that Jesus saw? It was his friends. It wasn't the man laying on the mat's faith. It was his friends. And there are countless stories where Jesus says, Your faith has healed you. And it is the person's faith. But... It was the faith of the friends in that story of the um, paralysed man on the mat being lowered through the roof. 
Another example, John 9. Jesus heals a man who is blind. Now he is known in his neighbourhood, in his area, as somebody who is blind and begs on the streets. Um, and Jesus heals him. And when this man is asked who heals him, he says the man they call Jesus. So John 9 verse 11, the man they call Jesus. So then there's this like debate that happens between the Pharisees and this man. And they keep asking him, who healed you? Who healed you? And he kept saying, the man they call Jesus. And then there was all this questioning about, well, Jesus did it on the Sabbath and that's unlawful. So is he a sinner because he's healing on the Sabbath? And, and so there's this big um, argument that happens and the man is then thrown out um, the Bible tells us in John chapter 9 verse 35 says this Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and when he found him he said do you believe in the son of man who is he sir the man asked tell me so that I may believe in him Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe and worshipped him. The man was healed on Jesus' faith and power. The man didn't even know Jesus. When he said, who, when he was questioned by the Pharisees, it was the one they called Jesus. When Jesus said, do you know the Son of Man? He was like, no, who is he? Tell me so I can believe. It was Jesus' faith that healed that man. And then he came to know the Lord. See, healing can be powerful as an evangelistic tool. You don't have to be a believer to be healed. And there are stories again that I'm sure could be told of people who have been healed that don't even know Jesus. See, when talking about faith... What's really important is to know that Jesus never criticised the person being prayed for for lack of faith. Absolutely never. He only ever questioned the faith in those praying. And actually mainly it was the disciples and at times he was pretty harsh to his disciples um, because he was wanting them to lead the church. And, but he never criticised the faith of people that are being prayed for. Jesus said in John 4, 14, 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me would do what I have been doing. He would do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Am I that person? Are you that person? Do we want to do greater things than Jesus? Let's have faith that these will happen. So whose faith is most important when it comes to praying for healing? Is it the sick person? The friend's? the relatives, the people who are praying? Well, the answer is anybody who has faith in Jesus for miracles. Now, don't, don't, don't let anybody ever say to you that you don't have faith. That's why you're not being healed. I have heard it so many times and I hate it. I hate it because it's not of the Lord. The Lord never said to anybody being prayed for, you have lack of faith. And actually, it's my responsibility if I'm praying to have the faith. It's, it's, it's our responsibility as a church to have faith for healing. And we need to pray that it will happen. We need to raise up our faith as well. So why are some people not healed when, um, when they're prayed for? Well, the, the reality is we don't really know why people aren't. But there is some things that we can learn from Scripture. Abraham was holding on to a promise from God that his wife Sarah would have a child. So we read in Romans 4, 19-21. It says this, Without weakening in his face, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. See, Abraham, although old, he had faith that God would fulfil his promises. And as Abraham waited for a child, so sometimes I think we have to wait 
for our healing. I want to briefly look at four people in the Bible who were not healed. Um, The first person is Epaphroditus. So he was unwell, and we don't know the nature of his illness, but it was serious. We also know that, as I'd said earlier, that the church, the early church, had a practice to pray for healing. So he must have received healing prayer at some point, yet he wasn't healed. So if we look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 27, it said, Indeed, he was ill, so it's talking about Epaphroditus, and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Now, we don't know the outcome of this illness. So he could have been healed um, eventually. He could have died. We don't know the outcome of it. But we do know that he wasn't healed instantly, because it says... Um, Indeed, he was ill and almost died. So the point that he got to his sickness got to almost to death and people would have been praying for him. So firstly, um, Epaphroditus. Secondly, Timothy. Now, we spoke about this a little bit earlier. I mentioned it. The fact that he had these stomach ailments in 1 Timothy 5.23, which we've already looked at. Paul advised him to have some wine for his stomach. So we can assume in that that healing prayer didn't work. And maybe God chose to use that little wine as that healing um, avenue. We don't know for certain. Thirdly, um, Trophimus. Trophimus, he was a travelling companion with Paul on his third missionary journey. So in 2 Timothy 4.20, Erastus stayed in Corinth and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. So in that moment, we see that Paul had left somebody sick. Again, the church would have been praying for healing in that moment, but he was not healed. Now, it's interesting when you start to dig into the translation. And in in this passage, in this short verse, it's translated as that he was sick. But actually, the Greek could mean that he was overworked and his body had weakened. And actually, um, we see this with Paul. We see this with Timothy as well, um, and um, we see it with um, Trophimus as well, that it can so often be a reflection on our church leaders, people who overwork and don't listen to those natural laws of sleep, rest and eating. I'm trying not to look at Martin because that would be really awkward. But I speak to myself in this, and I know I've seen this as well. And actually our elders and our trustees and our key leaders within the church. Actually, church, we should be praying that we don't, like these church leaders, get to that point where we're at burnout because we're overworked. We should be praying for our church leaders, our elders, our trustees, um, everybody who, who's involved in making this place run, that we get the rest that we need so that we can be effective for the Lord. Okay, so lastly, I want to look at Paul. Now, he was sick and he didn't get instant healing either. Now, we don't know what his illness was and there is um, some debate as to things that it could have been. But to be honest, that's quite irrelevant as to what it was. But we read in Galatians 4, 13 to 14, it says, um, verse 13, As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God and as if I were Christ himself. See, Paul never mentions this illness again. So either he was healed later on, but there was a trial with that illness. So it was an illness that, um, that had some longevity to it, even though he would have been prayed for. So we don't know whether he was healed later or not at all, but it isn't mentioned again. Now, the reason I would look at these four examples is that these were all mature Christian men in the Bible. They were leaders in the church. Now, no one can say that it's lack of faith that they weren't healed. In fact, apart from Jesus, Paul spoke more on faith than anybody else in the Bible. So it isn't lack of faith that these men weren't healed. And equally, in the Gospels, we see that Jesus didn't heal 
um, everybody all the time. And sometimes I actually think that God can be selective on his healing, as hard as that sounds. See, when Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda, so this is like a hospital for sick people where they waited and um, it was thought that the water, um, when it bubbled, it had healing properties. So there were loads of sick people crammed into this place. And if you have time, do go and read it in John 5, 1 to 9. But the reality is that Jesus walked into that place and he healed one person. Of all the people there, he healed one Jesus could have just said, everyone be healed. But he didn't. He healed one person. And that is hard. That is hard to read and hard to understand. Why? But I think sometimes God just doesn't heal everyone. So not everybody... um, Sorry, let me, um, sorry, yeah, just jumped a bit there. See, but even for us as a family, um, when, when my wife Rachel was diagnosed with cancer, um, we prayed that she would be supernaturally healed. But she wasn't. But yet, we could say that she was healed by modern medicine. God chose and life over Rachel And she was healed through modern medicine. Yes, there are still complications that go alongside that today. But yet, I believe there was a healing that God chose in that moment. We cannot always understand the way that God chooses these things and when he doesn't choose as well. So not everyone is healed, but Jesus does heal. But so does that mean then we don't pray if God doesn't always heal? No, church, we need to have faith to see people healed. And I will keep on praying for healing of people. Even though I know there are all these factors that are involved, it will not stop me praying. Will you? Will you keep praying? See, I have to trust in God's timing, as Abraham did when he was waiting for the fulfilment of God's promises. I have to trust in the decision uh, that God uses to heal who, when, and by what means. And we all have to trust God for those things. Now, today we're going to pray for healing. And what we're going to do is, um, I'm going to teach a way of, of praying for healing. It's not the only way. Um, like, um, like Ken said last week, there are many ways that we can prophesy. There are many ways that we can hear from God. There are many ways we can pray for healing. So if you are somebody who is already going for healing prayer and praying for somebody, you carry on in that way. Don't, don't listen to um, the things that I'm going to say in how to pray for somebody and say, think it has to be done that way. This is just one way of praying for people to be healed. Um, and this is one way that I often teach kids and young people as well, because I think it's a, an easy, effective way. And it's called the five-step healing model. Now, do you know that most of the healings that Jesus did was in public? And this was because, I believe, that it was a catalyst for faith. When people are healed, it's something in our spirit stirs and rises up and we are excited and we are encouraged and um, we, it, it builds faith in us. And then when we go and pray for the next person and we know somebody has been healed, we have more faith for it to happen. And that happened this week when I said earlier about when we saw that healing on Zoom, um, It stirred up faith within us to pray again and again. So as we pray in a bit, if somebody is healed, we have these microphones. We want want a testimony of that. We want somebody to come up and say, do you know what? I had this and it was this painful and now it's gone. Or I had this and it was this painful and actually the pain is halved. Um, And we want to stir up faith within us um, and be encouraged by what is happening.
Also, I'm really aware that there are many people watching online as well. And if there are things that you need prayer for, I want to encourage you to put in the message um, that you need prayer for whatever. Um, and we will try and relay that. Ben um, is aware of this and he will try and relay that to us. And again, God is not bound by geography. So whilst I'm looking at you in the camera, I'm hoping that camera's on. Um, there we go. Otherwise, it's really awkward and I'm supposed to be looking over there. But anyway, um, while I'm looking at you in the camera, we can pray for healing on something and know that God hears those prayers. So just because you're watching at home or wherever you are, don't, um, don't let that be a limitation. Tell us and we will pray. Okay. Now, we're going to pray for healing. Now, partly, as I said, I have faith. I'm also a little petrified about this. Um, so I'm, I'm not professing to be a perfect person who fully understands healing, who every time somebody is prayed for, they are healed. Um, I, I just have faith knowing that God can do it. Um, and actually, my prayer, my prayer often is that my faith will be childlike. Do you know what? If you ever get the opportunity, get a child to pray for you. Um, because children believe that God will heal. It's only as they grow older that the world tells them that it may not happen. And there's, there's um, doubt that creeps in. But a child, if you say to them, will God heal? Yes, they will. Of course, they, of course God will heal. Um, and they will pray for you like God will definitely do it. Um, and that's what I want to see within me. Um, so... I'm going to ask, is there anybody here that needs healing today? Okay. Oh, loads of people. Exciting. Right, I need one volunteer who's got a physical ailment that wants to come up the front. Anyone? Okay, Natalie, come on up. So, as I said, we're going to do, um, we're going to talk through, I'm going to talk through the five-step healing model. Um, If you have never prayed for anybody um, for healing, this is a good um, this is a good way that you can do, um, you can pray for somebody. Um, so um, I'm going to, you always start by introducing yourself, because the reality is you may not know everybody, everybody might not know you. So I'd say, hi, I'm Kev. What's your name? Natalie. Natalie, great to see you. Um, and what is it you've come forward for prayer for? Uh, three years ago, <laughs> I went and cut a tree with the wrong tools, and I basically have a two centimeter length tear on my so anybody on sound desk can we um this is great stuff but you guys at home can't hear it so it's on it's on here we go okay so yeah three years ago um i went on to cut a tree with the wrong tools i was on the ladder for a whole day and um, i managed to tear my ligament my muscle a two centimeters full length tear which has cost uh, which has cost do you know what sometimes when God is going to do something amazing there is a distraction that comes in um, so let's ignore that and let's carry on so you've got a tear in your shoulder uh, two centimetres full length and it's caused a massive lump out there with the inflammation and now the doctors are saying it needs a desperate uh, operation to bring this back which means that they have to shave the bones stitch the, the, the muscle and then I have to have it in a sling for six weeks Okay, if anybody's just passed out because they're a bit squeamish, just um, somebody go around and pick them up. That would be great. Um, okay, so we know we know um, what the ailment is, and there is that. Um, um, so it's a shoulder. Um, so that's the introduction. And um, this is not a medical interview. So you're not going to stand there and ask for diagnosis, ask for letters for doctors. You're not going to dig deeper and deeper and deeper into the medical issue. All you want to know is um, what is the presenting issue that is there. And then you can move on to the next stage. So the next stage is the kind of diagnosis stage. You've got the introduction, step one. Step two is the diagnosis. So is it a natural causes? Is it an accident? Is it, um, is it a disease? Is it a sickness that is a natural cause? Is it something because of sin? 
um, that is in somebody's life? Is it an emotional thing that is causing hurting and pain? Is it a relationship problem? So maybe a lack of forgiveness. So if it might be, say, I don't know, somebody says, do you know what? I've got I've all these stomach problems and it started when, I don't know, my partner walked out on me or I had a massive bust up with my friend and, and they were just so like horrible and I've never forgiven that. Then you know that there's probably an unforgiveness thing in there. So you're looking at the kind of diagnosis of it. And in all these things, remember what Ken was talking about last week. If you didn't see it, go back online and watch it because it was great stuff you're listening to what the lord is saying and and it may be that you're going to prophesy things over this person later on um it could be a supernatural thing as well there could be something demonic going on um and we need to keep asking god for help so it might be that we need to pray in tongues it might be that you need to ask them a question um if that's appropriate um if the only thing i would say if you if you have a sense that it is a, a demonic thing, um, then I would suggest that you get um, somebody to come and pray with you, um, somebody who maybe has had dealings with that in the past, um, because we can take all authority that Jesus gives us, but sometimes we just need that bit of extra support. Um, so go get Ken or Martin, that's what I would say, um, and get them to stand with you. Okay, so you've got the, the diagnosis. Um, and then you're going to decide on what type of prayer, this is the third step, what type of prayer that you're going to use. So you could ask the, you can start by asking the Holy Spirit to come and minister to the person. It may be that um, you need to lay hands on the body. So for Natalie here, it can be shoulder. So I would say, Natalie, do you mind if I put my hand on your shoulder? So, so she said, oh, my, great, fantastic. Some people would, would actually, physical contact is not great for them. So they may say no. So always ask that question um, because you don't, want to, um, you don't want to offend somebody. You don't want to put somebody off. The other thing you can do is, um, we've got to think of appropriateness as well. So if somebody's got, if, if Natty came and said, I've got a stomach problem, I'm not going to lay my hand on her stomach. That would be completely inappropriate. But she can do that. She can lay her hand on her stomach and put it there and have that physical contact. Um, so ask the person if you can um, put hand, lay a hand on if appropriate. Um, and keep praying in the spirit. Keep praying in the spirit and asking God. So it could be that you need to use a command um, prayer, and uh, um, a command act of faith. So Acts 3, 6 um, says, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. So it may be that it's as straightforward as a, a command prayer like that. It may be a, pro, a pronouncement prayer of faith. So John 4.50 says, Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. So it may be a faith thing, and then as it may be a demonic thing. Now in this situation, um, because it's an ailment um, of the muscles and the bone and things, um, I'm going to use a command prayer. So that's the selection that I have made on my, on my step three. Um, and how am I going to pray? Well, one thing that I always teach children and young people is to keep your eyes open to see what the Lord is doing. Um, and there may, be, there may be physical things that you start to see within the way the person is responding. And you can see that the Holy Spirit is moving within, within their person. And the person may start to feel tingly. They may start shaking. You can see the Holy Spirit on them. And actually what I love is when we get to pray for people, you get to see the Holy Spirit ministering. Plus also, if I'm praying for Natalie like this, and I've got my eyes closed, and I'm away with God, and the Lord takes her in the Spirit, and she's on the floor, I'm just stood there. And I haven't done anything to help her. So keep your eyes on what is happening um, as well. Um, it may be that as we're praying, you ask questions. It might be that as we're praying, I'm saying... Natalie, tell me what's happening. I can see something happening. What are you feeling? Um, and then you can respond to those things. Um, and they stop when you think it's over. It's okay to stop. You don't have to go on for hours and hours. Um, and you can, you can reassess and you can say to them, how does it feel now? And often what I like to say is, I like to say, so Natalie, have you got pain right now? All the time. Okay, right. This is a good one. Okay, so, not, not as good that I'm glad you've got pain, but as in, we, we're going to, if, we, if God does something today, we're going to see it. So I would say, right, imagine your pain is now a 10. 
Okay, so that's your benchmark. And as we pray, I'm going to see if that number comes down to zero. So we're aiming for zero, um, and we're going to see if that number comes down. So you can ask those questions as you go along um, and keep talking. The last thing is a kind of post-prayer direction, um, and what should they do to keep um, their healing? So sometimes if it's a sin thing, it might be that the person needs to stop that. It might be that they need to choose forgiveness. Um, it might be that actually that you feel that God is saying that person needs to spend more time with the Lord, reading their Bible. Um, it might be that they need to do something, go somewhere. Um, they need to check it out with their doctor. Um, they need to grasp um, the fact that God has healed them and live under that healing um, that God has done. So there'll be things that you do within that. Um, and obviously, the thing I like to say to people is, do you know what? I believe God has said this to me, but you need to check this out. Um, you need to um, see if God is saying that to you as well and confirm that to you. Um, because sometimes we do get things wrong. Um, so we have to hold that in as well. Okay. Now, if in that moment the person is not healed, the most important thing to do is to reassure them that God loves them. Just because they have not been healed in that moment doesn't mean that God doesn't love them. It just means that he is choosing to wait um, and to heal later, or maybe he chooses not at all. Encourage them to keep getting prayer. I had a, I had a friend um, and colleague who stopped getting prayer because God didn't heal them. And it just was so upsetting for them. Um, and I can understand that. But actually, we need to keep getting prayer. Um, and actually, maybe the person needs to be involved in a house group, where somewhere where they can regularly get prayer for that um, and encourage them to do that. Um, so you may need to check that out with them as well. Okay, so that's enough of me talking. We're going to pray, okay? So, let's pray. I'm going to just lay my hand, and we're going to say, Come Holy Spirit. Father God, I want to thank you that you love Natalie so much. I want to thank you for her joy. I want to thank you for her encouragement. I want to thank you for the woman that you have made her. And Lord, we speak to her shoulder right now. And we say, pain go in the name of Jesus. We speak to the muscle that is um, torn and ripped. And we say, be knit back together stronger than ever. Lord, these accidents happen. Um, but Lord, you are not bound by these things. So Lord, we pray and we command it to be healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. More, Lord Jesus. More, more, more. Now, see, stay in that place with God. But what I want to draw your attention to, everyone, is that Natty's got a handout. Okay. Now, often I say to children and young people, put your hand out. It just shows you're receiving from God. It's a physical thing to show, hey, God, I'm open to this. Mm. Now, I can feel Natalie's shoulder twitching. Can you feel that, Natalie? Is that normal or is that... I don't know. You don't know. Okay. Now, maybe that's just, it's just the mus- muscle in spasm, but maybe that's God working. Mm. And if I, didn't, if I hadn't um, rested my hand here, I would not have known that. So, Natalie, what's happening within you as, as we prayed? A conviction from God. Okay, so there was a conviction from God. Mm. Okay. And are, are you able to share that, or is that something you want to keep? Uh, I'd like to share, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the time when I went to cut the tree, I did out of anger, extreme anger, because um, we had plans to get help. And I've been suffering for more than 15 years with unacceptance and not... Um, from my mother-in-law, uh, which I've had a severe um, um, suffering from her because it's very spiritual. And uh, on that specific day, was, I was stubborn and because things didn't work out the way I wanted it to work and because I've had that attack from my mother-in-law and things changed, I felt like, well, I don't have to wait for help. I'm going to go and do it myself. Okay. And I felt, as you were praying, that the Lord was saying to me, um, 
and I need you to let go. I need you to let go. Okay. Right, we're going to do that right now. So, um, so this, is, this is great. So this is the Lord speaking to Natalie as we're praying and there's that conviction that has come. So what I want you to do is I want you to, to confess that to the Lord. Um, and I want you to do it out loud and we are going to stand and agree um, with you and we are going to, um, we're going to, um, yeah, we're going to see that broken. Okay, so can I put my hand back on your shoulder? Okay, so you, you confess. Lord Jesus, I thank you. That you don't stop talking to us. Thank you that you are so sincere and so loving and you come gently to convict us and in love. And Lord, I know you've done a lot of work in me through these years. And I know I struggled and I tried to understand the process of forgiveness and, and go on every day. And I just pray that you and ask for forgiveness for my stubbornness and my, my anger. <laughs> And sometimes I've had bitterness because of this, Lord. But I know that you have always been at work in my heart and in my spirit. And I thank you for the church and I thank you for people that have continuously prayed and, and loved me through all these things. And Lord, I pray that you forgive me. And most of all, it's, it's spiritual that you just enable me to let go. Amen. And Lord, you, when, when your children ask for forgiveness, we know that it is finished, that it has been dealt with because of Jesus dying on the cross. And Lord, I thank you for Natalie's confession of sin in this moment, in this place, publicly, Lord. And we know that the devil has no power over you anymore because of this. And Lord, if this is causing the pain in her shoulder, Lord, we say pain go in the name of Jesus. And Natalie, I I'm, I'm going to mark you with the sign of the cross on your forehead and I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, come. And Jesus, pour your blood over that wound that is within her of unforgiveness and bitterness. And Lord, your, your blood cover Natalie in that place. And Lord, I pray that you would, um, you would seal it off and never open it again unless there is more things that Natalie needs to deal with. But that will be within your God-ordained time. So, Lord, we thank you for this confession of sin. Amen. Okay, guys, this is, this is hard. This is hard for Natalie right now. So, okay, how's your shoulder? So, remember, we had a, we had a pain of 10, and where are we now? Uh, the same. The same, okay. So, it's the same um, pain. So, we're going to pray again. We're not going to stop, okay? So, let's go again. Come on. Okay. Come, Holy Spirit. Church, if, if, you, if you have faith for this, stand and raise your hand out. Just as a sign, it's nothing, it's nothing um, like magical about it. It's just saying, Lord, we're going we're gonna to stand together. Uh, so, Father God, we command this shoulder to be healed in the name of Jesus. Pain, go in the name of Jesus. More of you, Lord Jesus. More of you. Oh, that clicking that I can feel right now, Jesus. Whatever it is that is causing that, take away that pain right now. Restore the bones, the ligaments, the muscles, the things that are torn. Restore them in the name of Jesus. Okay, Natalie, how's it feeling? Is it the same? It's the same. Okay, so it's the same. Now, God, as we said, doesn't always heal instantly. And it may be that it's something that happens over time. But do you know what it might be today? It might be that God didn't want to deal with that. He wanted to deal with um, the confession in this moment. Um, so, um, yeah, we just don't know what God is doing in that moment. Anna, you've got something? Yeah. Um, hi, I love you. <laughs> um, when we were first started praying for you, why can I hug you? Um, I had a picture of a, a harp. It actually looked like um, some of Esther's toy plastic harps. And it, it kind of represented your heart. And, it, and then it was like this kind of black stuff started covering it. It was like loads of little poppy seeds. Um, but it was kind of like like with the sea and the waves, how stuff can get washed over. And it's just got like completely covered. It was this bright pink, shiny plastic harp. And then it got covered with all these um, black stuff. But then... We were praying, and I felt like there's going to be a washing, and, and then the waves mm. were kind of going away and coming over and over, and each time 
you could then see the heart again and the black poppy seeds were like coming away but obviously they're tiny they can get stuck like around the edges but it's just it was just a washing process and that was the picture I had that there'll be some washing that God does so isn't that amazing that like God is speaking in in loads of things and the picture the Lord gave me was of an apple tree that hasn't produced fruit for a long time and lovely apples were growing on it and it takes time for those apples to grow but I really believe the Lord is changing situations where they're like Anna was praying maybe there needs to be more love but just situations that have been dead and you see no movement on whatever he's going to bring his life Amen so I just love the fact that, um, as, as we said, Ken was speaking on prophecy, and we're, we're kind of seeing this mix of things in the healing and the prophecy today. Um, so we're going to keep praying for people. I'm going to ask those that don't need healing in the worship band to come back up on stage. Natalie is going to pray for someone. Um, she didn't know that, but she is, because God has done some stuff in her, and that, that stirs the spirit. So if you need healing, I want you to raise your hand. Um, and if you have faith to see healing, I want you to... Um, um, to then pray for somebody. Um.